Loud and Proud's Championship Podcast. Champods brought to you by RD Credit Union and Defy Sports Apparel. Hello and welcome to weekend two of the Loud and Proud Podcast. And what a weekend it was. It had the champions falling on their sword. You had teams putting their hand up. You have permutations everywhere. You have big score lines. You have beautiful scores. You have the mark coming into existence. It was just a phenomenal weekend's action in the second weekend of the Loud Senior, Junior and Intermediate Championships and across the board. It was just just a really, really good weekend. As um, I'll get into each grade, but just, just a little bit on uh, a couple of instances that I've seen over the whole weekend. And I would probably say it's the, the whole move into Darver has been a bit of furore over it. Um, it was announced last Wednesday night once the uh, government announced that no or Neffet or the government, whoever, can't keep up at this stage. Once they said nobody, uh, nobody can come to the games, the 200 cr- crowd register is gone. That was a bit, it was putting people on the back foot. People were worried, people were angry people were scared people were annoyed and they wanted to people were sad as well because they wanted to go to the games that they were been starved of for so long and then the way it worked out now GA jumped in very quickly it must be said and they moved all the games to Darver there was still unknowns about that as well what pitch would they be playing on would, would we be playing on the AstroTurf pitch um, you can't really play on the back pitch can you will all the games be covered live can you watch it and it turned out that everything went to plan. Everything was seamless. The timing of the games went very well. Um, it was even a case of that big game at the end of the end of the weekend, the Jocks versus the <coughs> Dreadnoughts, was turned around and it was supposed to be in Dunleer and that even got moved to Darver due to um, a bereavement in the Geraldine's Club. So it just, everything worked out well. And then to back that up, the games worked out well. There was a few one-sided games, but they were still intriguing. There was really those shocks, there was interest. The whole thing, the whole championships have been blown wide open. Teams have been ran close, open, exciting brands of football. And I suppose what I'm getting at is with Darver, it's very similar. I don't know if a lot of people, a lot of listeners watch or follow the NBA, but they have, they've, they've, they've had no fans since the very beginning of uh, the restart when they start the rest- their season and um, they're coming into the playoffs now <coughs> and what the way they have it in is all the players all the teams are set up and they're all based in disneyland <laughs> so yeah i'm actually going to compare com- compare um, darver to disneyland but it it means that it's a bubble they're all there they all play in the one pitch there's no crowd there there's a little bit of kind of if you have a home game it's kind of you have your uh, fans up on the screen but it just takes everything out of it. You don't realise that there is custom built. And in a way, Darver is custom built for no spectators to watch the game. There's no spectators going to the game anyway. And there you have it, that there's no one there. And it doesn't look like you're looking for anyone to be there. The players aren't looking for it. The crowd aren't really bothered about going down to Darver. I know it is central to nearly every club in the in the county. Um, you know, it works out well for the Joes. I uh, mentioned that in commentary today, was that we're the only team to play a home game all weekend. But it, it, it works out really well, and then the boat pitches held up as well. There was a lot of rumours whether whether or whether they not 
um, would hold up with it with the rain that was on during the week. But both pitches held out fine. The coverage was fine on Lou TV, and thankfully every game was covered on Lou TV. Even the the, <coughs> the Finbars game against the Town that'll be deferred once the the cameraman get the, the DVD rendered, they'll get it up and get it out for the for the Finbar supporters and maybe the Town supporters. But we we'll get to that one in a minute. But that but that's just what I'm what I'm talking about. It just sets up well, and the fact that people aren't missing out, and people are probably seeing more of the game than they would at it. I know they're missing out on the social aspect, but then there is social aspects still on the go. You have pubs in RD, you have pubs in um, Cooley showing the game, putting on live screens, booking your tables to get down and watch like RD and the Blues on, on screens across the, the pub. Um, the same in Talonstown. Uh, but it, that, that adds to it as well. So that's sort of community to it as well. And then the games have lived up to the, to the actual coverage as well. And then you have a lot of people talking about the games. The coverage is coming across well. Now I know there's a few glitches and people have been brilliant. Very good to let me know that the scoreboard's not working. The um, the sound, the mic isn't working. And one of the hazards, maybe um, Disneyland doesn't have this problem. But Dara does have this problem with wind. And that's affecting the microphones. And it's blown across. We'll, hopefully we'll try and get those technical issues sorted. But if anything like that is happening, people are very quick. They're not even giving out. They just let me know that there's something not right and they want the coverage improved. But so far, so good. And um, it's yeah, it's worked out really well. And last week, I know I spoke about the loveliness of the first weekend. The games and all the, the shocks have added. They're an extension of that. And it shows as well that regardless of fans at the game, the tension is there. The, the players feel the pressure. Conor Finnegan had free kicks to, to win it and push it ahead for um, the Mahonies and he missed them but he stood up then later on and kicked them so he still felt the pressure the um, the Blues and the RD game and right down to the wire they wanted that pressure they wanted to keep going they didn't really they didn't really look to the crowd didn't really look to any sort of uh, lift from from the supporters they just kept going kept playing and that just shows the competitiveness competitiveness of the players and at the end of the day it's all about the players I know they want to play for the village and I know the players or, or where they're from can can influence them and push them on as well when they want to motivate but players are generally doing it for themselves and they did it again in every single game and you can see it when say the Feckens lost or the Blues lost today they, they feel it they don't care who they're letting down they let down themselves and that that that's that speaks volumes. So you you might think you're missing out, but Darver set up in a really good way and it's ran very smoothly. It it's going to be it's going to be the same again next week. Um, <coughs> all the fixtures are out as well. Um, I'll get to that on Torres' podcast if you want to join Patreon. Get in and get join the crack. There's loads of people. There's a small community now. Well, it's not even small. Massive community of um, loud fans who are passionate about Gaelic football in the county. Want to know. Want to be informed. Want to shoot the breeze. Want to listen. And it's just been brilliant. Even overwhelming response to the Red Stars that that was announced last week. That'll be announced on Tuesday's podcast. If you listen to this tonight on Sunday or tomorrow, if you're listening to it on Monday and usually on your way to work or in the afternoon. So there's loads happening on Loud and Proud. There's loads happening on the pitch. Darver has gone very well. Lou TV is going very well too. It's great. You have the cameraman there, myself and Colm. There's loads of people. I'm inundated with people that want to do co-commentary. 
Um, so it's it's a bit of a laugh, but um, it's great crack, and you kind of want to do it professional. Um, it, it's not just about having the crack and ripping the piss because I know the players. I'm a player myself. You want to put it in properly, and you want to be respected. It's not just a laugh and stock, and then especially you have people paying money to stream the game. You have you have parents watching their sons and playing in the games. Going to say sons and daughters, um, but you have all that all that factor in it, and you want to do a good service so I know the wife thinks I'm mad I'm studying all players and I'm putting all that time and effort into it so hopefully it's coming across I think it is I'm enjoying it the people are enjoying it or and it's kind of a communal thing it's, like I said this weekend was an extension of last weekend everyone wants the product to be done well and it wants it to be done right I know nothing beats being there but this is the next best best thing if you can try and put your eyes on it in for the people because I feel I feel it myself very privileged to go and get to watch the games that I get to watch because I know a lot of people out there would love to like families and there's a lot of say lonely people and all that uh, that love going to a game and want to be meeting people at matches can't get to go and this is the only social outlet so hopefully they're able now to watch the game be informed <laughs> enjoy it enjoy the package and maybe sign up again and get people talking and get people something to talk about so yeah, that's my opening monologue. Loads of stuff there from comparing Darwin to Disneyland. I don't think I'll be, uh, I'll ever uh, live that one down. But um, yeah, just yeah, sorry, just one more thing. I'm gonna go maybe full ten minutes on this intro, and it's just the, the factor of Darwin and the pitches are fine. They play perfectly. Um, players are used to playing there without fans. You know, everyone's played a game there, a challenge game or a game that's been postponed because your home pitches were all because you're playing matches there. Wide open pitches to make for good football. The surface is good, but the wind is adding a factor to each and every game. It's either you're 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 making advantage when you have it, you're stalling the opposition when you don't have it. It goes right down the wire. It changes sometimes. It it, it dies right down at different intervals. It it has. An effect on free takers has effect on kickouts. So there's a lot of tactical issues going along, and you can hear all that happening with no crowd. You can hear the the instructors on the line, the Mariskas and the Banish stores, all shouting in them bits of information. It's a tactical battle, and added to that tactical battle as well as the rule changes this year. You have the mark. I'll speak about that later on. There's an intermediate team that's really making use of it, but there's the water breaks, very crucial. Every 15 minutes, a team is getting coached on what they're doing wrong. So no team is no team is not being given direction. They're not being getting too far away. They're coming in and they're getting a respite and they're getting to, to improve every quarter, I suppose you could say. And and that's given that's given different problems and different things to figure out for, for each team. But that's it. That's me opening monologue. Right, let's get into the games. Let's get into the teat of the action. Red Stars tomorrow. Thursday I'll be doing the preview podcast and laying it on the line with predictions. A lot of them went quite well. Um, yeah, I think a lot of them went quite well this weekend. I'm not too sure. I didn't do too well on the Friday night. I think I went with Glide and Stabana, so those two teams lost, and the other game was postponed. That, that, um, you know, I'll get to that in a minute, but um, yeah, let's move on now to the Loud Junior Championship wrap up. Loud and Prize Championship Podcast Champ Pods brought to you by RD Credit Union and Defy Sports Apparel.
First of all, we're going to have a run-through on the results on the Junior Championship. Like I said, my two picks didn't come to fruition whatsoever. The Malachies with a big win over Stabannon, 13-7. That game was played in Dramiskin. And the other game in just, I suppose, the same parish in Darver that night on Friday. In Group 2, Lanlear beat Glide Rangers 3-6 to 1-5. The other junior game of the weekend, there's two more games on on Monday night. You had Nave Finbarra, many people's favourites for the championship, eked out a 13-10 point win over the Tones. I told you the Tones were lively. I missed the Red Stars on the uh, Tuesday podcast. I added in on the Thursday. But you'd like to Sam Kelly, Healy in the middle of the field. Loads of good performers. Emmett Judge as well. I was speaking to him after the game. And he felt himself that they left it behind them. The tones are always threatening. They're building a nice side. That really, really put the pressure on Nathan Barra. Who just pulled through in the end. But if they have ambitions of winning the Junior Championship. They'll want to be winning that game by a much more further margin. Or maybe it's the kick in the hole they needed just at this right time. Um, hard to know. There's two more games tomorrow night. They they were previewed in, in Torres' podcast. If you want to go back and look at it, that is the two winners of that group. Group four. It's the uh, John Mitchells facing Napierty. That's going to be an intriguing battle. That will just see where the John Mitchells are. It'll see exactly how far ahead Napierty are. And the other game that night is the Westerns versus the Knicks. Both teams lost their opening out and they might want to keep the pressure on getting into that second place position. So very, very much all to play for there in the Junior Championship. Really enjoyable. I'm just going to um, go into that game I covered on Friday night. The the big, big win for Lanlear over the Lyle Rangers. Like I said, very much a tactical battle. Very, very intriguing game. The... Um, the the stall this the I suppose it was just set out Dunlear set out the stall just to defend, make and frustrate Glide Rangers, put them into an arm wrestle. They didn't really like it, couldn't really get into it, and it they kind of broke the momentum. They got a uh, Glide got lad sent off towards the well, just one lad. Uh, Connor Sheldon picked up a second yellow card. I think I said a straight red in the commentary, but it was hard to see the second yellow being given. Um, but Lanlear just powered ahead in that game. Some nice goals as well. Um, there was two fortunate goals. Ball looped in Garrett Moran over the head of um, <coughs> Callan in the goals for Lanlear. And then just when they were squeaky bum time, Gary Monaghan goes up. You'll probably see it on my Twitter feed. He goes up the other end to attack. And then at the end, it was a goal by um, young Dara Malone just to seal it. But they look very good in there. They look full of running. Ian Mulroy went into the middle of the field. That was tipped off in the prediction podcast. If you want to get a nugget of information like that, sign up because Mulroy went into the middle of the field and went after Niles Sharking. Did a great job. He's a very, very, very influential player for Lanlear. They look good. They possibly will be doing power rankings and they could be number one in the junior football rankings after their opening weekend. But Glide, um, although they lost... The two games played, healthy score advantage. They'll dust themselves down and try and get themselves back and hopefully get a crack at Lanier again. But Lanier now played out until next weekend to seal their uh, top place in the group because very influential. Actually, no, I'll cut to um, I'll cut to Mark Gilston now, the Lanier manager, and I'll just speak about it a little bit after it. And yeah, let's go to Mark Gilston, Lanier manager.
Mark Gilson, Landlier manager. That's a really, really big statement he's made tonight. Um, okay, it isn't. It isn't like I thought before the game. Like you'd expect us and, and uh, Glade to uh, qualify anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, we were, we were happy now. We, you know, we're missing a few lads, and you just didn't know what way boys were going to come into the team. But the hats off to the lads, like to give it everything. You know what I mean? And uh, I suppose I was a bit surprised with it myself, but uh, yeah, great result. Listen, it just means you know, you just one step forward, or maybe you're, you're in a quarter final now. But that's all it is, really. Was there importance there, to, like with the outcome maybe of the championship? If you go, if you go in first, or if you go in second place, you want to be in that first position to maybe take a second seed in the other group. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose, but. Uh, Every team's when you get to a quarter final stage, you know, last year we came up against uh, Dwarf Tones and everyone was expecting yeah, to give us yeah. a hockey, give us to give them a hockey lick, but they, it didn't work out and we were very lucky to come out that day. So, you know, that's it's kind of relevant. Listen, it'll be good to finish top. We, we've doubted until next week, you know, there'll be no pushovers again. They, you know, did a bad defeat last week. They'll, they'll, they'll be kicking them boys and. Uh, We'll just see what happens. You know what I mean. Lads to come in, like you mentioned. The yeah, we've lads with a couple of niggles there, nothing major. Like, and you'd like to think they'll get a few minutes next week. Uh, but like, who do you drop after that? Like, you know what I mean. Tonight, the boys, everyone, the one to fifteen, the boys to come in. Like, everyone's putting a hand up for a jersey, and uh, so to be a bit of picking on it, it's a good headache to have. Yeah, I suppose. And, and like you've been on that sideline for Glide. <laughs> is is that a game plan for Glide tonight, or is that a game plan you're going with this season? That kind of. Staunch, resolute defence. Uh, not necessarily. No, you take every game in its merits. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, we just walk on. You know, we've Andy in there, and he's very good. You know, he's man, an under twenty manager. Like, you know, so he knows the stuff. And we just watch every team. We we'll, we'll, we'll just study each team as we go along, see who we're coming up against next, and just play whatever system we think suits to play that game. Well, not necessarily. You know, we were fair, probably were a bit defensive. Like, not not really intentionally. You know, you just have your boys working hard over the field. Like, and uh, we'd like to think our fitness is quite good. So if boys are dropping back, they were able to get up the field. So, and uh, you know, we probably should should have put on a few more scores than we did, but uh, we'd be happy enough. You know, it's only a group game at the end of the day. Only a group game. Thanks, Mark. Thanks no very much. Cheers. Good stuff. Yeah, that that's that's Mark Hilson, former Glide manager. He's um he was happy with that win, he probably thought it was tired, he did allude to that. But the point I just wanted to make before before we cut the mark was the um emphasis on winning that game because that's gonna make their life an awful lot easier. Now I know there's the group with Andaminian, Deshaun's and Holland Gales, um so you might get an outlier there, but Glide now could end up facing the Piercy. They could um, end up facing Nave Finbar in a quarter final, and that's probably what they wanted to avoid. And that just throws a spanner into the into the junior championship. So and then Landlier, their um, their their guide to the semi final to the final four back to where they were beaten last year just made that a little bit easier by a hard working effort. So that that that's the junior wrapped up. Really good game of football as well. Really quality there. Pierce Hawkins Mar- um, alongside um, Ian Mulroy, but. When you think of it, Lanlier were missing so many players. The Allen and um, Colin Murphy didn't start. Bob Murphy went off relatively early. And um, Lawrence McEntee's just home from Germany. He'll come back into it. And there's a fifth player who I can't think. I should write these things down. But uh, Mark Dunn. That's the fifth player. Jeez, my memory's on fire here. Um, yeah, he he's the fifth player missing. So you're missing the third of the side. The competition is there. Some lovely players. I'll get talking about them lovely players in the Red Stars on Tuesday's podcast. Join up now. 
Okay, let's move on to Super Saturday, the intermediate wrap-up. Let's go through each and every game. And there was four of them. Four big games on the Saturday. You kicked off with Cooley and Hunterstown. Then you had Roach against the Brides. And then later on, I covered the last two games for Lou TV, Kilkelly Emmets and the Clans. And the big one at 8 o'clock lived up to all that final billing. The Sean O'Mahony's versus the Feckins. Four whopping games of football. High scoring events. We get to the first game with Hunterstown and Cooley. It was tipped in that podcast that Cooley didn't have a man marker for Ryan Bournes. And it really told they shot into the blocks. Bournes was just on fire early on. and he, Could he fire them to the Intermediate Championship? I know they didn't want me to tip them beforehand. But I did and they got two wins out of two they go in top of the top of the group they were the first team two to the quarterfinals intermediate championship and you have to say they're very impressive welcome tony mckenna back into the game but you'd have to wonder about cooley playing jerry malone back at corner back he was the best player last year he's a brilliant outlet right half back driving up the field put him back into corner back and um, it didn't work for them they didn't have a man marker for Bournes, like i said and richie taff is playing great stuff and they're just they're just powered on and Cooley now faced the Dundalk and Ireland. What a ding-dong battle that'll be as well. That'll go right down to the wire. But Hunterstown looking good. Kicked the game off. Kicked the whole Super Saturday off in Darver. And then the next game. <coughs> the Brides put a big score on Roach. I mentioned the panel that the Brides had. They were, they were the lads there playing Horland during the week. But didn't bother them whatsoever. Dipped the two deans and what have you. They just paired on Sean Murray as well to the four. And Roach, one of uh, uh, we had a preview podcast at the start. If you join up, you can hit, listen to it. But a certain Butterly had Roach as dark horses, and I think he has them down as dead horses. Dirty diesel. Dirty diesel. Dirty diesel is the phrase. But uh, yeah, Roach in serious trouble there after that big heavy win. I expected Roach to be a lot more competitive than the wear. And 14 points is a heavy, heavy loss. But it's still do or die next weekend against the Kevins. The Brides looking very impressive. You have to say. They're, they're, um, they're solid down this mine. Paddy Riley offers that leadership. You have Emma Kirk back playing nicely. I know he was, uh, was he black carded? Maybe he picked up uh, something like that anyway. But um, yeah, they've scored all over the place. And don't look to be as reliant as Sean Murray as they were. Trying to think who got the Brides goals. And it was Kevin Herty two goals he kept over a couple of points as well looked very lively very very confident player um, looks like Bernard Brogan um, plays, played like him on Saturday afternoon he powered them on and he just gave that bit of relieving pressure off Sean Murray the responsibility is usually on him and in fairness to Roach they plugged away and kept at it through Barry O'Hare through Kevin Callaghan back in the side back playing well um, very, it's very hard to know what way Roach go. Can they recover for next next Saturday? I presume it's next Saturday again. Um, we'll have that on Thursday. But um, moving on to the third game, and it's the Kilkerley Emmets against the Clans. I had the pleasure to be at that game, and it was just an absolute kicking exhibition. I know I mentioned it early on that there's a team there that is really, really using the mark to devastating effect, and that's the first team that I've really got in the grasp of it is. Kilkerley Emmets, coached by um, Shane Lennon. He's in the, in the squad with Kieran Carragher, Sean Doherty, and Mark Clifford. He's coached and he's playing full forward. They really um, 
used the mark effectively got the highest tally of the weekend with 21 scores himself and Ty McEnany combined I think they got 9 points apiece but it was such a good display from Lennon it was just you just reel in the ears um, he had a young and he had a very good marker on him Riso Hanlon did quite well very competitive with him but Lennon just had that extra extra wiseness and cuteness because the way it was Lennon was winning the marks out in front so like a good defender Riso Hanlon played a few yards in front of him and then Kilkerley copped onto this and dropped the high ball across and Lennon uh, high ball over Riso Hanlon and Lennon had that cuteness and nose to just play over the shoulder, play behind him and receive the ball and take the mark and he did. So they, they're my tip for the Intermediate Championship and they're going quite well. Tyke McEnany as well, really, really solid contribution as well. Just Everyone knows he's going his left foot but very hard to stop and he does. They look very, very good. They had a lot of subs, they had four or five substitutions that played in the intermediate final last year so that just shows the depth of a panel they have as well but they did ship 16 points to the clans the clans will dust themselves down they probably look a little bit tired after the weekend's exploits they had a big win against uh, the plunkets by 14 points they probably knew in the back of the heads they're more or less true they played to, to right till the very end and um, with robbie corn getting hit in the 45 and billy smith putting it back putting it back into that um, score tally bringing the tally right down to, to uh, minus five which you see that over the weekend that's a, always a always a big thing in the three team group that um, game management and minding your scores but yeah it's just a Shane Lennon show and it wasn't just lasher in it was really really um, clever balls um, Conor Quigley Sean as well um, but Colin McKeever got his running game going in the second half really attacked for the clans but they were missing Mark Newell and Robbie, uh, not Robbie, Ray, I keep saying Robbie McCard, um, Ray McCabe, he was out as well for the first day. So two big presences for the clans, they were missing. So those teams, clearly have got the two over them in the, in the league and the championship in a matter of weeks. They look good, they have some nice players, clearly not just the, the, those three big men inside. Um, Fintan Brady's a class little footballer. Then you have Ewan McIntyre, very busy. Paddy Morton did go off injured. James Fagan came back and showed a lot of experience. Um, Midlin as well, Kieran Midlin and Carl Bell, who said to have had a great battle. And full-back Adam Shields as well. Look, at, they'll be on the Red Stars, I'd say, this week on Tuesday. There'll be two picked to, to get the jersey. So tune in and join the podcast to hear all the crack. And the clans, yeah, like I said, it's not all over for them. Paul Crew impressed. They tried to the very end. There's only five, five points in the difference. They kick 16 scores. It's not bad going. But then um, Kilcarely go through and they play the Plunkets next weekend. The Plunkets will want it, will be will be uh, will be ripping after their, their heavy defeat. They'll have something to prove as well. Could they get a big win on Kilcarely? Um they're about by 14 points still. Yeah, they they'll possibly not go through if they win. They'll have to win by oh by 24 points or something. And we'll have all the permutations lined up for Taurus's preview podcast. And then, the Feckins and the Mahonies. The Mahonies look dead and buried on occasions. The Feckins look really good. They started off lively. Ryan Walsh opening the account again last week's Red Star. He picked up a, a, um, a Defy Red Star jersey. Um, he kicked a load of frees early on in the first half. But, there was a conscientious um, penalty call. And it was just outside. Keith McLaughlin did a foot trip. Um, that just kept the... Um, 
kept the Falcons at bay. They were happy to take the, the, the 14 man black card hit and they held on. It looked like then, it looked like the Falcons were going to push on in the second half through Ron Holcroft. It was just a really, really big leader for them. Flanagan kicked them, t- uh, Matthew Flanagan on the wing kicked them 10 8 ahead. But, like I said in the, in the intro, Connor Finnegan had two, he missed two frees early on. Still had the balls to come up at the end to kick the le- um, did he kick the leveller? No, I don't think he kicked the leveller. Um, yeah, he kicked them. No, he, he he kicked them ahead. Ben McLaughlin kicked the leveller ten all. Finnegan pushed them ahead, and then O'Donoghue, the Portugal only come on as a sub and leveled the game. Looked like it was going to be a draw match, but then Terry Kelly came in and got the um, sorry Finnegan got the twelve eleven lead as well, and Kelly came in. Very devastating, very pacey player, loads of running, on tired legs, just if it was a perfect combination. But it doesn't matter who's wearing the jersey for the Mahanis, it's just still the same, same, same player and same kind of traits of anyone. You could you could have swapped in Brendan Nordone and David Dowling for um, the new lads like Robbie Galligan and Keen McAvoy. They still play the same way. They're in great determination. They never give up. They keep plugging away. Keep at it. And it just showed at the end. And it showed what it meant to them. It was a very good performance. And it was great. It was a great game to have right on the back pitch. In Darwin. Not the back. I suppose you'd call it pitch number three. The back pitch. But um, just showed. Championship football is championship football. It doesn't matter if there's anyone there. If there's a, if you're on a bog. Or if you're on a sand pitch. Doesn't matter, and showed in that game. The Falcons will dust themselves down again. They'll possibly think they're true, but don't put a pass to Glenn Emmis to put a bit of a challenge into the Manis as well, like they did against the Falcons. But that's it. You have the you know, just the state of play in the intermediate championship. You've Hunters Town and, and the Brides, true as table toppers. You've Kilcarely with a with a healthy score difference, probably going to go through with the clans. Um. The Mahanis then had to play the Glen Emmets and the Feckins are still there thereabouts, there thereabouts. So the log jam continues and then you have a tantalising game between the Islanders and Cooley. To whoever wins that goes through and then Roach and the Kevins as well and the shootout as well. Those two are shootouts for second places. So really good, really good. Um, the the Mahanis haven't gone away, you know. Um, the clans are still there thereabouts as well. They'll probably be relying on the Plunkets and Kilcarely, Kilcarely just to do them a favour and um, get into that second spot and regroup, have a week off to prime themselves for the quarterfinals. So loads to play for, loads of attractive attacking football. Very, very good stuff. We're going to cut to a break now and then we get to the three senior championship matches. What matches they were indeed. So I will start with the beginning. I was doing the game, um, home game for the Joes, 2-9-2-6 winners over the Gales. That was the 2 o'clock game. The 4 o'clock game was Ardie shocking the, the champions, the Newtown Blues. Their first loss in 16 games. That was a 17 game, yeah. Um, yeah, and then the last game was the big win for the Jocks, 2 17 to nine points win over the dreadnoughts. Is that a sign of Fergareel working the Oracle again? 216 to 7 points. Yet yeah, 9 and 6 is 15 point win for the for the Jocks over the Dreadnoughts, who had a draw the weekend before. Um, you're looking at uh, you're looking at those three teams now. The likes of the Joes have got loads of potential. 
The jocks have that potential. And they're, 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 like I said in the previous podcast, we are losing finalists past two years. We deserve to be respected. They're going to be respected there with that with that um, big win. Connor Wheel and Stephen Campbell with early goals look like they have a very, very potent forward line. Um, powerful half-back line as well, just the way Fergal really likes it. Once hard-hitting big men across that uh, half-back line. Cut the buck, Sullivan, Morgan... Um, Healy is coming to the team Owen Callan dictating things and uh, 40 Tom Gray inside of Whelan buzzing off Samuel Roy JP Rooney comes in as a sub so you have to say that the, just when just when Ardy had, had sprung a surprise a big win the jocks going out there them but um, we go back to the first game the game I was at and the Joes it was a game they had to win two or three times they were well ahead they were very comfortable they were, very, they were playing some lovely football um, got early goals through Ben Collier. You'll probably hear more about that chap in weeks to come. He got the early goal. He linked up with Colin McCall. And McCall really excelled in the second half. Um, they pushed on. They got an early goal in the second half as well through Tomas Smith. He got he, he pushed the lead out to seven points. But the Gales dra- dragged themselves back into the game through David Maloney. What a leader he was. Very, very unassuming player. Gets around the pitch. Does a savage amount of work. Linking the play. And he kicked the point. He kicked two points. Kicked the point just before the Gales levelled through. Two goals where uh, I think Critty took the shot. And Barry Waters bundled it in. It dropped short. Critty shot. And he knocked it by the goalie Neary. And then the second goal from the very next attack. Um, I think it was Barry Waters that kicked the shot. And... Crilly this time was a hand to palm it into net to level it. That was 2-5 apiece, I think. But the the um, Joe's just up to the level again. Colin McCall plucking the next kick out. Didn't take the mark. Drove in on his right foot and clipped it over. And then they just powered on as well. Oshie McGuinness added a couple of points. They emptied the bench. Showed the flexible muscles there panel-wise. Um, Jason Clark's had a quite good second half for the Gales as well, but that's a big win, big three-point win for the Joes. They have the chance now to top the table when they play their neighbours, the O'Connells, next weekend in what's going to be a very, very enticing game um, because form goes out the window in a local kind of parish battle, parish neighbouring parishes battling it out. But yeah, the four miners really excelling for um, the Joes, Gabriel Bell, um, Michael Staunton, O'Connor back. And like I mentioned, Ben Collier and Colin McCall. It was those those four. They powered them through. They're full of enthusiasm, full of running, and full of full of skill. So the next game then was the RD game. Seven points down the second half. Kept at it. It was a dark moment, but they kept plugging away. Kept plugging away. They they they, they, they kept, tried to keep it as tight as possible against the wind early on against the Blues. They did so, they clogged it up, they went down six points at half time, probably happy enough with that. The Blues introduced Andy McDonald uh, just before half time, he clipped over a point after the second half. The Blues look very solid with Ross Carr continuing his good form inside, but the, uh, and they went down to 14 men and they probably told towards the end of the game Paul Moore got the black card, missed out 10 minutes in the mid- first half <clears throat> and that probably tired them out a little bit. Um, because the Marys came with a grandstand finish at the end some going they kept coming they kept coming Keymore and kept on plucking over uh, points from distance they kept plugging away and 
Sean Kelly, the new man over in charge, is with drilled into the back post and um, for them and Ronan Carroll gets the ball, looks to the back post on his run and he finds Darren McConnell there who palms it into the net. That levels the game. The Blues had a chance to I think they had a chance to go ahead with Andy off the deck with a free kick. But um, the ball was up Friday and had the attack. The ball spilled, broke across the field, scrappy, scrapping for it. Kieran Keenan, the man they wanted with the ball, gets it and kicks it over the bar. So that was a big, big win for the RD men. They play colour next weekend. That's enough. That's I won't say any more about that. But yeah, it was a, <clears throat> it was um, what was it? A f- one one twelve to fourteen point win. Yeah, one twelve to fourteen point win for RD over the Blues. And the Blues welcome back Connor Brannigan, like I say, Andy McDonald and e- Alan Connor, still Ian Connor and Colin George out, and they look to be out for the foreseeable future for for the Blues. They will still go through to the quarterfinals um, with their goal difference, whatever way it plays out next weekend. The Blues are not out of the championship. I repeat, the Blues are not out of the championship. But an interesting one day. The last time they lost was the Gales in 2016. The last time they lost the championship match. Imagine that. And there's been a pandemic and everything in between since the Gale, since they lost, since the Gales won that game, since the Blues lost the match. But it, it kind of it was... Uh, yeah, in the Gales, but that game was the game was in Darver as well. So the last time the Blues lost, um, it was in Darver twice on twice on two occasions. But it was the game against the Gales was on the main pitch, and then yeah, the the last game, Jocks for Joe, um, is it going to trend? Is it not trending already on Twitter? They've really put the hand up. Um, they've asked questions of the whole race. It's a wide open championship this year. With the Blues losing, Hardy putting the hand up. Um, there's still the Geraldines to play the rallies. That's going to be played on Tuesday night. They, they possibly could get a win there. The rallies could easily blow that out of the water as well. So it's class forwards that they possess. So it, it's, it's very, very much an open championship. Um, very enjoyable one as well. Very high skilled comebacks, high score, well taken scores. And I just want to add a little bit as well. Ross Nally goes off in the second half of the Blues. The Blues lose that outlet up front, that full forward focal point. Rob Carnes played inside. John Komoda's ended up inside as well. They missed those men around the middle of the field and uh, Rob Carr in the wing. So it all kind of played lovely into the RD's hands and they played it very, very well. So um, big win for them and it's been a big win for them in championship. But yeah, like I say, an absolute wide open championship. Loads happening. Um, just like I say, an extension of last weekend's um, good open weekend of football. So it's all to play for. I really enjoyed that second weekend. I hope you did too. I hope you'll join me now and all the other Loud and Prouders on Patreon. Join the podcast. Join in and contribute to the passion that's there. Championship fever is starting to grip the whole entire county. You should join in and be a part of it too it'll cost you 4 euros or even 3.25 I don't know I'm even confused at uh, the way it's priced but yeah it's well worth it we're going to have we're going to run it just for the for the championship um, so that's all yeah I'm going to I'll be back again next Sunday if, 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 you, if you don't if you don't sign up but if you do sign up it'll have the Reg Star podcast on Tuesday the fixtures previews and predictions all on Thursday and I don't really do draws I'm going to call out the the thing as I see it 
possibly have someone else on as well with me on the Thursday. So that's it. That's been a massive weekend of football. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, like I say, Championship Fever is gripping. And we're going to have a great run. We're going to have um, great coverage of it. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing the videos, keep doing the podcast. It's going to be week by week by week by week by week. So four or five weeks left to go. Last the Next weekend is always a very exciting weekend in terms of permutations and teams going out. It's, it's knockout from this point forward. Hope you can join me. I'd love to have you. Um, that's it. So thanks to RD Credit Union. Thanks to Defy Sports Apparel. Thank you for listening. Thanks to all the teams and all the players and all the mentors. And thanks to Disneyland and Darva for making it all happen. Thank you. I will chat to you Tuesday, Thursday or next Sunday night. Follow the Loud and Proud podcast. Follow the Instagram. Follow the Twitter. It's all there, all up there if you don't miss it. Right, I'm going now. Gone. Bye. Have a good weekend. Talk to you. Sing it proud